What are you doing? Listening to the band. Would you like to hear some birdies? I'd love it. Take off your hat. <laughs> Get gone. We were young girls in a small world. I'm on your doorstep, man. Ringing your bell again. Ringing your bell again. We were young girls in a small fucked up world. I'm on your doorstep, man. I really don't have like a solid way of how I start these things, but welcome back to Napalm Nanny in the Shack. Uh, welcome back to Napalm and Friends. We are super lucky that we have Becky Lynn Blanca on this episode. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm gonna fangirl just period. It's like, I'm really excited. I'm a huge fan of your music. I'm a huge fan of you period. Cause I think that you are just this absolutely magnetic person. I've mentioned your talent on a previous episode of Feral House Blues, the second episode. And I described your voice as this combination of like pop rocks and honey. And I'm not quite sure if it was like the best description. I don't, I don't know if it does it justice, but it just felt right at the moment <laughs> to describe it like that. And I think you have this incredibly unique voice. And I just want to know, how did you get started? Um, wow. So thank you. Uh, huge fan, longtime listener. <laughs> Um, thank you. Yeah, Pop Rocks and Honey is a really interesting metaphor, and you're easily the first and onlyest person to <laughs> describe me like that. But I think it's interesting because Pop Rocks are like sweet and surprising. They also almost seem like if it, they were bigger, they could hurt you. Um, and then Honey is very sweet. I often refer to some of my favorite singers as sounding like Honey. Like my friend Justin, who plays trombone in Penny Matches, I say his voice sounds like warm honey on Ooh. It really does. But yeah, it's weird because my voice is just how it is. It's just what comes out of me and it sounds weird and it always has. I have been singing as long as it was possible. I used to make my dad film me like lip syncing into a pen in like the early 90s wearing like I had a costume from a show called Kids Incorporated. <laughs> Aww. My mom used to get me secondhand clothes from like TV productions because there's a, sh a shop called It's a Wrap in Burbank. It's still there. Um, but it's like sequins and like performer clothes. And I'd be like, Dad, listen. And then when I got into middle school, I started doing like musical theater. And then 
coming out of middle school, I kind of became like a little, a little baddie. When I was 12, 13 and doing musical theater, I was also like reading books about punk rock. Like I read, we got the neutron bomb and just became sort of obsessed by the LA scene. Like I was fascinated at the fact that so much of it had happened where I live, like, or lived. Um, I grew up in Sherman Oaks, which is in the Valley. And it's maybe like 10 minutes north of Hollywood on the freeway. So you're not like in it, but it's only just over there. And <laughs> how I got started with my first band was me and three little punk rock babies started a band where one of the songs is like, we want to start a band. Oh yeah, we want to start a band. Oh yeah. I love it. What was the band name? If you... Uh, I can't say it anymore. Oh. We're, too, we're too grown up. I can't do it. It's absolutely terrible and people can't know. All right, all right. That's fair. Um, but it's just very tasteless and I'm not proud. Um, so... That band played one show and it was terrible. And then when I was 18, I started dating um, Juan, who I, we started Don Juan y Los Blancos together. And that's kind of how I started playing like live and actually like, you know, doing shows consistently. And uh, when me and Juan split, uh, I kept the band going and we started touring overseas. And then eventually, because I wanted to tour more, I started playing solo. So then going back to your punk roots, Mm -hmm. What was it about the punk community that was so appealing to you? Well, <laughs> oh, that's so weird. I have like a recessed memory. I remember being like a little kid, like small enough to where like if I reached out to my side, I would be like thigh level with my dad. And I remember me and my dad were at a liquor store and I saw this guy with this huge pink mohawk and like uh, leopard print, super tight jeans with like zippers on them and stuff. And I remember like looking at him and just my jaw dropped and I remember pointing. And then I remember my dad taking my shoulder and like pulling me closer to him, like away from that scary guy, you know? But I think I was always just fascinated by tattooed people and people with funny hair. Um, and then when I started getting into music, it was just, it was just middle school. Like I was super, a tomboy and I wanted to hang out with the punk rock boys and they made me smash my Linkin Park CD with a hammer. <laughs> peer pressure. <laughs> that's a pretty good peer pressure though. Like, <laughs> what are you doing, kid? Um, and that's, yeah, it was my friend uh, Earl's mom let us watch Decline of Western Civilization part one and that like got me super into the music. That's how I got like obsessed with like X and Black Flag and the germs and, um, and then because of the books, then I kind of knew about some sort of unsung heroes like that were not in that movie that definitely should have been in the movie because they're around like the weirdos and the screamers. Yeah, I was incredibly fascinated by the L.A. scene and how much overlap there was between it happening in the late 70s and me being there in the, yeah. the early odds. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you did mention of your first encounter of a punk in the wild is the fact that he had this like wild hair and he's all tattooed. Cause I mean, you are very expressive. You have ink, you love to play with your hair and it's definitely transitioned into adulthood.
And that's not your only influence. You have also marked as far as like rock and roll from the 50s as an influence. So how was that transition from punk rock to, you know, going further back? Going back all the way to like 1930s blues and jazz. Yeah. So seamless in, in my mind. But um, once I got obsessed with the LA scene, I got really into X because X sounded different than any other punk rock band. They were punk rock, but they, you know, they sounded nothing like anybody else. And their guitar player, Billy Zoom, absolutely shredded. And I was reading in We Got the Neutron Bomb and he said that he learned guitar at a really young age and it was it was fine. But when he heard Elvis Presley, things really got interesting. Um, and I remember being like, what? Like this punk rock band listens to Elvis? Like how does, what is Elvis? And I just kind of listen to Elvis. I mean, I like Elvis, but I got way more into just 50s rock and roll. So a lot of like um, Chuck Berry, Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard and that type of stuff. And then from, you know, it was like, I wanted to know like, okay, Billy Zoom listened to Elvis. What did Elvis listen to? Elvis listened to the blues or maybe country Western. I don't know. Maybe someone can chime in and let us know. Come on, Shackers. Every man has a black star, a black star over his shoulder. And when a man sees his black star, he knows his time, his time has come. Black star, don't shine on me, black star. Black star, keep behind on me, black star. There's a lot of living I gotta do. Give me time to make a few dreams come true. Black star When I ride I feel that black star That black star Over my shoulder So I ride Front of that black star Never looking around Never looking around Black star Don't shine on me Black star Black star, keep behind me, black star. There's a lot of living I gotta do. Give me time to make a few dreams come true. Black star. One fine day, I'll see that black star, that black star over my shoulder. And when I see that old black star I'll know my time my time has come black star don't shine on me black star black star keep behind me black star there's a lot of living I gotta do give me time to make a few dreams come true Look from fellas passing by Every time you see it 
when I got into the blues, I got super into it. I started, I was collecting records and I was super into like Tampa Red and Mississippi John Hurt. And next thing you know, you're listening to Lead Belly. Yeah. (laughs) And Lead Belly is, is so incredible and he's so weird. Like the way that he plays guitar is super weird. His time is weird because he always played by himself. So you don't really have to like adhere to anything. You know, it's kind of the beauty of the one man band. I don't know if you are a fan, but it's just like, like Bloodshot Bill can do anything he wants mm-hmm. because it's just him. Same with Reverend Beatman, anything he wants because it's just him. You're not, there's no like bass player standing there with a cigarette, like how, when, how long until this story's over? You know, you can just kind of go and Lead Belly would do that. He would talk, he would tell stories and then he would just strum like in such a chaotic way. So crazy. No, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the Shackers, uh, I do have an episode on Lead Belly that was inspired by Becky Lynn. Uh, it's Barrel House Bear, Bear, okay. God damn it, I can't talk anymore. Uh, it's not just <laughs> here. It's not just tea I'm drinking. Uh, <laughs> Barrel House Blues, uh, where I do talk about Lead Belly, and he is a very, very interesting character. So beyond just listening to the episode, do your research because there's so many artists out there that have insane, insane stories. It's just a matter of digging. And then who knows, you know, much like how you were saying, Becky, like one artist can lead you to a whole new genre. Yeah. What I do want to know and how you were describing this evolution of musicians that have influenced you, you do have this like punk rock attitude and, you know, you're very unapologetically yourself. And then, you know, going, seeing the influence of like Chuck Berry and like Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis is that they have this really great presence on stage. And it's something that I know about you, like you're very magnetic and you do it so effortlessly where it's just people are drawn to you and you are just like, all right, well, you know, here's my music and you perform and it's amazing. And then going into the blues is when you sing. I mean, I know you said that you just kind of, this is a voice you have and you just sing with what you have. There's a very bluesy tone to it where you sing from the gut. And it's something that I really admire. And I feel like I'm just like dissecting you. Like, here's my science project. (laughs) No, thank you. No, that's that's very kind. Thank you. I think the reason that I always wanted to be in punk rock bands and then do like 60s Garage is because that's what people were doing. There was a scene for that. And it wasn't until, you know, maybe like seven, eight years ago where I found a band, honorable mention, the California Feet Warmers, and they were playing like 1930s music and we were the same age. And thank you for saying that I'm magnetic. That's a really nice compliment. And I always say that I'm an energy mirror. Like I give people what they give me, so. You know, um, these dudes, for whatever reason, they just took me under their wing and I just thought that I never would be able to do like silly old timey music, but um, you definitely can, you can do whatever you want. So I'm forever grateful to punk rock, punk rock forever, because there is no period correct. There is no set rule. Like it's like, you know, if you were really wanting to be a traditionalist and stay true to the style, like, all my respect to you, you know, but you have to abide by these rules. And that's kind of why I like, I love refusing to abide by any of those rules because then it's like when we're doing gigs, it's like, yeah, I do this song, ah, but I do it like this. And we do a little that, like everything's just kind of a, like cattywampus. It's just a little bit off, you know, for what it is. It feels familiar. You feel like you, you've been there before, but it's, but it's just a little bit different. And um, and I'm super proud of it. So I'm, I'm glad that, that you enjoy it, especially because you've got good taste. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, 
But I mean, speaking of all these projects, uh, like as far as the California feet warmers, I mean, is there any other projects that, you know, you would want to, this is your chance to plug it in because I will be tagging your page and the other projects that you mentioned on the episode so people can go and explore and hear exactly what we're talking about, or at least what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, current artist. I move. I live in New Orleans now, and my most favoriteest band here is a band called Tuba Skinny. Um, they're not wildly active on the internet, but by their records, they're so incredible. And they and the California Feet Warmers are very like similar heavy hitting styles. Um, I would also say Nick Shoulders is an amazing, like real like country. What does he say? Putting the tribe back in contra. <laughs> you definitely turned me on him, by the way. When you shared his music, I was like, I like this. This is good. So He's definitely take our not take our word for it. Go check him out. Go check yeah, all believe, of these artists out. Believe and that. He, yeah. And if you like other solo singer songwriter ladies, then Leonie Evans is my my final declaration. So these Leonie guys will definitely be tagged in the bio of this episode. So by all means, please check them out. I, a part of me wants to say like, oh, take our word for it. But I'm like, no, 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 don't like, go check it out. Like go test, <laughs> go test our taste. Yeah, what do we know? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I went to public school, so what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> me too, I dropped out. Uh, school, who needs it? <laughs> Not me. But um, I mean, I guess kind of getting back on track, kind of, I don't know. It's a shit show yeah. here, but we, we, we run it with full hearts. <laughs> Nobody's dirty business how my baby treat me. Nobody's business but mine. Ain't nobody's doggone business how my baby treat me. Nobody's business but my own. These morning, gonna wake up crazy, gonna grab my gun, kill my baby. Nobody's business but mine. Ain't nobody's doggone business how my baby treat me. Nobody's business but my own. Wake up boozy, gonna grab my gun, gonna kill old Susan. Nobody's business but mine. Going back to Prince Cola, gonna buy my baby money mold. Nobody's business but my own. Did you get that letter or you take me back? I'll treat you better. Nobody's business but mine. Ain't nobody's doggone business how my baby treat me. Nobody's business but my own. Nobody's dirty business how my baby treat me. Nobody's business but my own. 
morning, gonna wake up crazy, gonna grab my gun, gonna kill my baby. Nobody's business but mine. Ain't nobody's doggone business how my baby treat me. Nobody's business but my own. Nobody's dirty business how my baby treat me. Nobody's business but my own. Superintendent come. I mean, I can heat it. 
I'm in, I can heat it. I can heat it and warm it. Let the good work go on.
that's been on the back of my mind since I've been talking to you is that you have a very interesting vocabulary. I remember you messaged me. It's like, oh, so when do you want to have this chin wag? And I was so <laughs> taken aback by it where I was like, chin wag. I'm like, that is, I mean, I know, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And I was like, that is such a unique and like outdated phrase. And I love it. It's not that it's outdated. It's British. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's like, I got that from Leone. <laughs> have a proper oh, chin wag then, yeah. Well, like I said, I went to public school, so what do I know? <laughs> I just learned that like a week ago. But well, so you've never done, like, never done learning, <laughs> right? This is this is what the shack is all about. I I just learned something, but um, I mean, kind of going back to well, we had a conversation prior to recording where you said that your mom brought you all these uh, VHSs of you know the Three <laughs> Stooges, uh, the Little Rascals, and all these really great black and white movies and shows. So I feel like a lot of their classic charisma has spilled into your everyday life. I mean, I don't know if that's like a proper like observation, like please correct me if I'm wrong, but it's just something that I've kind of noticed. <laughs> no, it's very true. I'm heavily influenced by um, the 20s and 30s in a lot of ways more than just musical. Yeah, some of that stuff is is just so funny. And I and I I love words and I love phrases. And yeah, I use I use old timey so all the time. Like um, one of my favorite things to say is from an old three student short called Disorder in the Court, where uh, Curly says, I'm a victim of circumstance. I'm like, I'm a victim of circumstance. It's not me. <laughs> That's great, dude. It's great, yeah. So keep your ears open. <laughs> There's so much there. And then that kind of leads me to something that I've been curious about and something that I noticed is when I would watch these lives. And then fun fact, and then shout out to Mean Machine, artist Ruth Mora, she, I followed her. I, Actually, Napalm Nanny the Shack, the green image is actually created by her. Mm -hmm. Super grateful, it's super beautiful, and I get so many compliments on it. She had posted that she was drawing and she was watching your live. And through there, I heard your voice and I was like, I'm curious. <laughs> and I followed and I found your page. And since then I've been hooked where I'm just like, there's raw talent here. And you have been nothing but sweet and kind to me. And I'm like, you've left some of the best like impressions ever on me. Cause every, every interaction that we've had, like sad girls club, I'm like, I got a patch for this. And I sent you like my Simpsons sad girls club patch. Aww. And you're like, you're in. <laughs> and you left like the most wonderful impression. <laughs> and what I noticed is on these lives, which if you are able to catch a live through her Instagram, Facebook, wherever, because again, like I said, she will be tagged and shame on you if you don't follow, is you are this character. You know, I've, I've done a couple of lives and I am a nervous wreck and I usually end up drinking more than I should because I'm nervous. And you just effortlessly sit in front of the camera, you sing, you interact with whoever is viewing. And that's where I kind of caught some of these phrases that you would say. And I was like, you're such a character. I love it. Like you're just this like, how did I put it? I mean, other than just the fact that you're magnetic, it's just incredible. Thank you. Um, I have, okay. Being a nervous wreck when you go live is the most natural thing in the world. I have done, let's see, Sad Girls Club official meetings were at 369 every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on Facebook. Um, but I have done like well over 400 live stream performances. And I will say like the first, two weeks when I was doing Sad Girls Club every day, like 14 days straight, every time I got ready to go live, like I'm trembling, like I was so nervous and it was happening in the middle of the day. So like, I don't think I drank, I drank sometimes, but I ended up like kind of making a rule to not drink during performing. Mm -hmm. 
during the day. <laughs> yeah. I bargain with myself. Um, but yeah, there's been, I've, I've gone live a couple times pretty, pretty trashed and uh, I watch them later and it's still funny. So thank you <laughs> for noticing. Um, I think if you're uncomfortable doing anything, just do it a couple hundred times and you'll be fine. No, true. Definitely practice makes perfect, right? <laughs> Kinda. Uh, <laughs> it's funny that you also say that you were getting nervous like before doing these lives because I mean, I have a shit memory, but I believe that we had this conversation before we started recording where you would do these performances for your dad. You would get like a pen and you would start singing. So there is always that yearning for, you know, hey, like I have talent, you know, like you always had that where it's like you wanted to have an audience or like, how would you, how would you describe that? I wanted attention. That's what I wanted because it wasn't even about having talent because at this point, like what, what you're describing is, so it was like 1993, I was like five years old and I would put on, yeah, I know we talked about it in the beginning of the interview and I would demand that my dad record me lip syncing. Like I'm not doing anything yet. I'm literally just like in this house of home. I love what I see now. I wish like everyone could see the video because I was like so animated and like throwing myself on the ground and like with my little like 1990s like Edgar ass bowl haircut, you know, like <laughs> it was so ridiculous. But I was always like that. Like I was always a ham. Like I always wanted people to, you know, be entertained. It's weird. Um, and my mom's a singer. My mom was a Mae West impersonator. And so I've watched her perform my entire life since I was born. I think she was like doing singing telegrams when I was born. Like she works. Yeah. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah. And so I, it was like, it's like a chicken or the egg kind of thing. Cause I'm sure I sang at that age, you know, but I don't know. I remember like, I wrote my first song around that age, like six or seven. And it was just about my dog. And I was like, wailing in the garage like and cotton you have the most beautiful brown <laughs> what oh that's fantastic so then okay interesting that you know you have this natural knack of wanting to entertain people or at least having what's the word i'm looking for like ambiente like the environment where it's like lively and it's I guess that's for lack of better terms, like bubbly and just active. And I think you're just exploding with so much energy. I've always been a performer, you know, not necessarily like good at anything. And then it just so happens that I like worked on getting good at singing also. And then um, I couldn't really speak the language like well, I wanted to get better at singing, so I went to college briefly for a couple of years where I just took like voice and music theory. And that was when, like in the infancy of Don Juan. So like, I, like I remember Juan saying like, why do you need college? Like we play rock and roll, you know? And I was like, I just wanna sing opera, you know? Um, but then when I got into doing jazz, I wanted to be able to speak the language. And fortunately I kind of did because I understood like the concept of it, but I couldn't like read music and I couldn't play any instrument, I could only sing. So I started playing ukulele. And then when I wanted to play by myself and be louder, that's when I picked up the banjo lately because it's a ukulele with a banjo head on it. It's super loud. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't really play it anymore because the it's messed up and it it's always a little bit out of tune. And now that, I've played with in-tune instruments so much. I'm like, no, it bothers my ear. Like I can't play it. It drives musicians that I play with crazy to play it. So I oh. leave him, leave him in his case. See you later, grandpa. We'll get you a new fretboard someday. 
Well, I mean, I am out of questions personally. Uh, I guess, do you have any like advice for budding musicians? As ominous as it sounds, any last words? <laughs> Ooh. Um, well, I wanted to mention, okay. This isn't advice. Well, this is advice. <laughs> I have two advices. One advice, listen to Sister Rosetta Tharp. All of this like punk rock to jazz and back and forth and of all the artists like that's Sister Rosetta Tharp is my very favorite. This woman has an incredibly powerful voice. She mastered the guitar at age six. Like like Nanny said, do your research, like look her up. She's amazing. Um, and then advice for budding musicians or maybe like, you know, of all ages, people who maybe haven't done it before, maybe tired, but like just do it like just do it you have to just start you know just take the first step if you just want to play an instrument then just get an instrument you know and then try to learn just one chord and then once you have that one then learn another one you know you but you build it brick by brick but nobody ever did anything by without working for it you know it just everything takes so much time like getting comfortable takes time um, building a brand and a product takes, it takes time. You have to figure out who you are before you can tell other people who you are. So yeah, I would say just do it. And if you think you can't, then you probably can't, you know, like get out of your own way. Like you, you can, if you think you can, and if you think you cannot, you won't. So pick something else, you know, the main reason that I continue to, to do music and entertain people is because it's the only job I've ever been really good at. Like I always thought I would have a full-time job and I have one now I work a day job. Um, you know, for survival reasons, but it's like, I'm not necessarily good at that. Like I can do that, but like really like where I'm happiest is pulling some weird Curly Howard Three Stooges line out of a hat on stage and like being like, ah, you guys, you know, there's nothing better than that feeling. So I'll, I'll, that's, that's all I want to do. I just only want to entertain people and travel and you know, make people giggle. I mean, I wholeheartedly agree as far as just do it. And I mean, before I get into that, definitely look into Sister Rosetta Tharp. You know, yeah. Becky says, do your research. I say, do your research. <laughs> um, because ultimately she is the foundation of rock and roll and you will not be disappointed. And by all means, look at her influences, look who was around her at the time, because you will be pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. um, and then as far as just doing it brick by brick, I do want to say like the shack, it's barely held together, but it's held together. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, for the most part, you, you're you not gonna know what you're doing. You just kind of put, like you mentioned, put your foot in front of the other, and then maybe you just might end up in a very surprising and pleasant place. Who knows? You won't know until you start. <laughs> but other than that, I am so grateful that you gave me a bit of your time. Uh, so till next time, guys, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks, bye. But oh, if you 
to do 